hope you guys know just um, how spoiled we are uh, to enjoy great worship on a Wednesday night. This is just not, this, this isn't normal. I mean, we're, we're a blessed congregation. We're spoiled. And you did a horrible job of showing your appreciation to the worship team. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Just saying. I, I feel like I'm in the danger zone tonight. I, right before the service began, uh, they, they told me that, hey, the, the lens and the lights uh, have been changed out. And just, a, just kind of a heads up that three, three of them have already dropped uh, but there's three yet to drop. And so I'm just like, how many of you will be praying for me tonight? Just If things begin to fall, we're okay. It's just just the lens. If, if I fall, just somebody call 911, please. And not only that, but then they, then they tell me before the, the service, hey, Tim, we're, we're, we're starting a uh, kind of a new process. Uh, there's going to be a countdown clock up on the screen. And I'm like, guys, are you serious, man? A countdown countdown clock and uh and and they said yeah listen you know when you preach preach one message we've got 52 Wednesdays in a year we don't need you to preach all of your messages in one night how many of you are grateful for that let's just get one message tonight and then I asked him I said well if I beat the the countdown clock if I end before the countdown clock ends what what do I get he said well you get subway tonight so how many of you are gonna be praying for Subway tonight, just saying, hey, beat the countdown clock. So it's going to be a good night. Thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night uh, here in Florida. And uh, man, just uh, the extreme cold that's up north. Uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad and grateful that I'm here, but it's very dangerous from what I understand to be in those types of temperatures. So we do want to pray for uh, some of our Canadian friends that are even watching online tonight. We're praying for you guys, praying for all of our church family. Uh, how many of you will do that with me? Just agree in prayer for them. And, uh, and we're here uh, in Florida, so praise God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, but, man, just uh, thinking of the, the message tonight, um, kind of going, get into a re- routine. I'm a, I don't know how many of you are people of routine. You just have your routine when you get up each day. I'm, I'm kind of that way and, um, and kind of have my routine. And I normally always have a breakfast sandwich, a cup of coffee, and, uh, and ice water. Uh, most of the time, I try to uh, show up at, at Chick-fil-A. I've seen uh, many of you actually passing through the drive-thru uh, in the morning or you're even inside, and uh, that, that's kind of our routine. And then, uh, but today, we kind of broke away from the routine just a little bit and went to a different location we went to McDonald's, or some would say McDonald's, but we went to, to McDonald's, uh, Pastor Craig and I did at least, and so we're, we're in there, and they just, uh, they have an incredible breakfast, I mean, very affordable, and so we're, we're in there, and we're uh, setting, having a you know, cup of coffee, eating, eating our breakfast, and uh, of course, different ones, some of you uh, may even be here tonight that you came over and say, said hello to us, thank you, it was very kind of you, and then uh, of course, we're wrapping up, we're walking out. And we're using the uh, exit. I don't know if you're familiar with the McDonald's uh, right here behind us, uh, but we're using the exit that you exit, and you have to walk across the drive-through lane. You know what I'm talking about? Using that exit. And so, as we get ready to kind of um, step out, we look back. And I know that it's the drive-through, and there's a Fiat right there, the first car. 
And I got to tell you, the Fiat, whoever was driving the Fiat kind of revved their engine up and then just kind of sped through and left. And I'm like, I'm looking at Pastor Crane. I said, can you believe this? I mean, think about this. How embarrassing would it be for the headlines to read that two pastors get run over by a Fiat? Come on, man. We can, Pastor Craig, we could probably pick that Fiat up and just toss it across the parking lot. I, I don't know about you, but does anyone remember that the, the Fiats are very popular in Europe, but not so much here in the United States, up until, I don't know, probably uh, 10, 15 years ago, there, there was a resurgence of the Fiat where they came out with a new style, a new car that entered into our market, and you begin to see the Fiats uh, around town. And, and talking about the company turning around, the person that was responsible for that resurgence is uh, Sergio Marchion. Uh, and he took Fiat in the presence in... Uh, in America and, and, and was able to restructure contracts, begin to kind of um, uh, change some processes, begin to change some leadership, renegotiating at that time with Chrysler and was able to walk away from, from that with uh, $2 billion in capital. And Fiat uh, made the turnaround and, and Sergio was the one that was kind of tapped to do that. How many of you remember Lee Iacocca? Lee Iacocca. A great uh, CEO that was really tapped by Chrysler, get this now, fired by Ford, but then tapped by Chrysler to come in and really begin to restructure the contracts, begin to become lean as a corporation, and in his restructure having to take out, I believe it was $1.5 billion uh, in federal loans, and under his reign, under his leadership, they were able to turn around Chrysler to where they began to see profits, I believe it was in 1983, and were able to really pay back everything, all the loans that they had, and they, they had a turnaround at Chrysler. And uh, many of you are familiar with the town and country and, and that product line, and it was just a great impact on the auto industry. And then uh, of course, when we talk about turnarounds, uh, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, any Apple, Apple people in the house, and uh, knowing he's here, Steve Jobs, you guys know the story. He's the co-founder uh, of Apple. Really stepped back, stepped away, stepped away, but then uh, the company becomes uh, just strapped uh, financially, needy, in need of cash, in need of a infusion, and he begins to raise money uh, as he's tapped and said, "Hey, we need you, Steve, to come back and." really turned the company back around. And under his leadership, when he comes back into that position, that's when they begin to sell their, I think, 314 iPods, 128 uh, iPhones. Uh, everything begins, the iPads, everything begins to take off. And uh, their increase was, uh, their percentage in increase was 9,000% in what they saw with Steve Jobs stepping back in. And in each case, uh, what happened is that there, was a, there were a board of directors that said, we need new leadership. We need someone uh, that can turn this around. Who, who is it that we can trust? And they went and tapped each individual and said, we believe, hey, we believe that you guys, uh, we're giving you full authority. We believe that you have the capacity, that you have the intelligence, really get this, really to kind of 
do the things that we should be doing, that we should have been doing all along, and we, got, we need you guys to turn us around. Uh, how many of you know that whenever you put your trust in someone, you're, you're, you're believing, hey, that you have my best interest at heart, you have my best interest in mind, that you're not going to do something to harm me, uh, that you can rely upon me. And that was the case and has been the case corporately for CEOs that have stepped in and said, that, hey, I can, I can be that guy. I can be that person that you can put your trust in and that you'll see the turnaround begin to happen. As followers of Christ, when we make a decision to accept Jesus is our Lord and Savior, what we're doing is we're stepping forward, and in that moment we're saying, I need a turnaround to take place in my life, and I'm, pulling my, I'm putting my full trust in your hands, God. I can tell you that not everyone believes that God is trustworthy. There are people probably even in this room tonight, maybe watching online, that they've yet to make that decision to follow Christ. They've yet to say, man, I believe that God is trustworthy. Even, even followers of Christ, we've struggled from time to time to put our full trust in the creator of this world. I, I, I think about my own faith uh, even early on, and, and you guys have heard the testimony of our youngest, our oldest child, Taylor, in, in a near-death experience, and I'll never forget when the call comes and I uh, rush to the plane, I get on the plane, and, and, I'm, and it's a quick ride from New Orleans to back to Tampa, and, and this one person is just crying and weeping and uncontrollably, and, and, and in my moment, I know that things are, are not going well, and, 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 and I can empathize with this person. I say, I feel your pain, man. I feel lost right now. I don't, I don't know, brother. Fight you. I don't know if you remember about that, but you were the one that picked me up from the airport, takes me back to uh, all, all Children's Hospital there in St. Pete, and, and we enter in and we begin to pray, and we needed in that moment a turnaround. Kelly and I are in the Ronald McDonald house, and we're praying through the night. We need a turnaround. We need a turnaround right now. Some of you guys in the house tonight, you know what I'm talking about because you're living it. You're there. And you're saying, man, I desperately need a turnaround in my home. I desperately need a turnaround in my child's life. My husband and I, we've done everything that we can to kind of exemplify what it means to be Christ followers before our teenagers. But right now, they're drifting and we need to see a turnaround. Some of you are already walking in and feeling great loss and grief and say, man, I, I never thought that I would be here walking the path that I'm walking and I need to feel the warmth and the comfort of a loving God. I need in my emotions, I need to see a turnaround. Some faced, faced with divorce where spouses sit down be, before you here just recently and said, I, I no lo longer love you. And you're at the point now to where you are just depleted spiritually, emotionally, and you've just accepted that this is my, my lot in life. How many of you know that that is a lie from the enemy? 
that whenever we step forward and we make that decision to be Christ followers, that Jesus says, just trust me. Don't worry about the outcome. Simply trust me. Jesus has something to say about trust and trusting him. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14. And we'll get to the, the, verse, the verses here in just a moment. But setting this up, it's really the, the last hours, the last moments that Jesus has with his disciples. And he's brought them together knowing that the time has come for him to return to the Father. And in this moment when they're gathered and they're beginning to be served their meal, Jesus is is ready to go into teaching mode and he begins to take his outer clothes off and he takes a towel and wraps it around his waist. You know the story and he begins to go one by one by one and he begins to wash their feet and he begins to take the towel that's around his waist and he dries their feet off and of course Peter is pushing back and saying, you can't, you can't wash my feet. And then of course he submits. And when Jesus tells him, listen, if this doesn't happen, you, you can have no part of me. And in this moment, he's also just communicating with them and telling them, telling them that there's one, that there's, there's going to be one that betrays me. And there's one that's leaning up against Jesus. And, and Peter tells us, uh, leading up to this passage of Scripture, that Peter looks and motions and says, ask him, who, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Who's going to be the one? I mean, you got to think this is really a, a board, boardroom kind of experience. Where things are happening or transpiring, I'm going to betray you. Who is it, Lord? Who's going to betray us? And he says, the one that takes the bread from me. And you know that it's Judas. And he hands it to Judas and he says, go do do what you need to do. Do it quickly. And he continues to have a teaching moment. He says, look, I'm going to be departing from you guys. I'm going and you cannot follow me. Now, these are guys that he walked the Sea of Galilee and said, follow me. Come with me. Follow me. You'll have everlasting life. I am the way. Come and follow me. And so you can imagine, man, this is the moment that the stock market begins to tumble. The moment, this, the magnitude so that you understand what's happening and so that you feel the tension the great crash of the stock market, it's happening right now in this room. Jesus is communicating that I'm leaving. And, and Peter and others are beginning to push back and say, what are you talking about? What do you mean that you're leaving? What do you mean that you, we can't go with you, that we can't follow? And then Jesus responds. In chapter 14 and verse 1, he says, listen to me, guys. Do not have a troubled heart. Do not have a troubled heart. But he says, trust in God, also trust in me. And this very moment resonates with some because that's where you're at. And your question is saying, what is going on? Things have been turned upside down. I started today, was Wednesday. I had no idea that this would come on my radar. And it's an example for us to follow tonight. That when we've stepped forward, that when we've made that commitment, when we've made our way to the altar and we said, God, I'm going to follow you. I've committed my whole life to you. And then life happens. You know what I'm talking about? Life begins to happen. And that moment comes on the radar to where you have to go back and say, okay, I remember that time 
that I committed to my life to God. And, and he's telling his disciples, those that walked with him, hey, don't, don't have a troubled heart, but trust me. Trust God. And Thomas, of course, for those in the room that know Thomas, Thomas was the person that was always questioning, always in doubt. And Jesus is telling him, I'm leaving, I'm going to prepare. Where are you going? Thomas said, where? Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responds and he says what? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And in that moment as he's responding, he says, listen, Thomas, you haven't been tasked to try to calculate and to figure out the way. That's not your job. You're not, you're, not, you're not responsible for the outcome. You leave that up to me. I'm the one that's tasked with figuring out the outcome. All you're to do in the task that you're to harness is to simply know me and to trust me. And I can tell you that I am the truth. I have, I have never misled you. I've never given you fake news. You can look at me and, you, and listen to me, Thomas. Truth originates from me. I am the truth. And we can stand on that promise tonight to know that God is who he says he is. He sent his son to redeem all of humanity. And as a Christ follower, we can stand on that promise and know that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And he's communicating to the disciples and saying, listen, I know that in your mind, you don't have the capacity just yet to understand that whenever I'm telling you about life, I'm not talking about temporal things. I'm not talking about the time from when you were born to when you take your last breath. I'm talking about through me. When you believe me and when you believe and trust in me, I'm talking about eternal things. I'm talking in terms of eternity. And that's something that we can hold on tonight wherever you're at. And you're saying, man, I need the turnaround in my life. And you can hold to the truth that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the God that we serve. And all of this is transpiring and going on. And you can just imagine, man, the room is there. Put yourself there. And, and, and of course, Philip then chimes in. Philip chimes in. He says, Lord, just show us the Father and that'll be, that'll be just enough is what he says. Show us the Father and that'll be just enough. And Jesus responds, do you not know me? And he calls him by name. Do you not know me, Philip? After, after how long we've been together, after how long we've been doing ministry together, do you not know who I am? Philip, how many thousands of people do we need to feed? How many loaves of bread do I need to to multiply. Philip, do you not know me? Peter, how many times do I need to walk across the water? How many times, Peter, you guys, everybody, Thomas, listen up. How many times do I have to speak peace to the storm 
before you put your full and complete trust in who I am. I am the Father. I am the Son. I am who he says that I am. Peter, I even healed your mother-in-law. That should be enough for you. Do you remember that, Peter? Whenever I went and took her by the hand, sick in bed, and I took her by the hand and just raised her up, and she began to serve us. She was immediately healed. Do you remember that, Peter? And we fall into that same category to where we can look back and say, God has been good to us as a church. God has been good to us in our homes. And we can see mile marker after mile marker after mile marker. But if the ones that could walk with him literally were really having a difficulty with their complete trust, i got to believe that there's some of us in the room that you know what I'm talking about. You've been there and your faith just kind of teeters back and forth. But I can tell you that we can nail it down tonight and say, man, my faith is strong and my full trust is in Jesus Christ because I know who my life is in and it's in the Redeemer of this world and his name is Jesus. To know that there's one person, one more person, experienced an incredible turnaround in his life, Chuck Colson. How many of you recognize the name of Chuck Colson? Just raise your hand. Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson, very influential individual, born an only child, raised, man, just incredible brilliance, great mind. Had a, here, here, here's the deal. He finished at the top of his class. He had two full scholarships to Brown University and to Harvard University. For those that don't know, those are both Ivy League schools. Chuck Colson finished at the top of his class, two full scholarships. And in, in Eric Metaxas's book, Seven Men and the Secret of Their Success, Chuck tells in his testimony that in, in that moment, early on, whenever he was a teenager, he knew that there was a character flaw, pride, that was in his life. Tori said, I'll go to Brown University, kind of thumbing his nose to Harvard University. And that pride began to settle in deeper and deeper and deeper. Even though he was experiencing many successes, great success, became a United States Marine officer. And at that time that he was serving, came up through the ranks in a rec at a record pace, the first one to reach captain at his early age in the history of the United States Marines, Chuck Colson. Leaves his position as an officer, gets into politics, 1948, and begins to learn some of the dirty tricks of politics. This is his testimony. Begins, he says, fake news, fake news, 1948. It's not something new. Spying on the opposition. Chuck Colson, great drive, great intellect. Earned the title hatchet man. If you needed a job done, I'll look this way. You got to go do your business over here. 
was influential in Richard Nixon's campaign, 1968. Richard Nixon's elected president. Chuck Colson becomes the chief counsel to this president. And what that means is that his office was right next door to the president of the United States. Daily conversations, daily meetings, in and out. Chuck, you take care of it. Chuck, you take care of it. Chuck, you take care of it. We all know the story. 1972, Nixon gets reelected in a landslide. About that time, Watergate begins to surface. The investigation, and Chuck in his own testimony says that, hey, this was something that as hard as we tried, it never would go away. We kept trying to push the head down. It would just never go away. It just kept resurfacing. And finally, in his testimony, I realized that I was, I was the target. Friends begin to part. He realizes that he's out on an island. And he begins to call on some past acquaintances. One says, yes, I'll meet with you. His name was Tom. said, come on over. Two and a half hours later, they begin to wrap up their conversation. Tom pulls out a book by C.S. Lewis and begins to read, I believe it was chapter 3, of Mere Christianity. And that chapter, just to summarize, is about pride and the fall of humanity. And Chuck in his testimony says that as he's reading this chapter, I'm sitting there in my mind and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know who C.S. Lewis is, but how does he know about me? How does he know about me? Tom says, let's pray. He prays. Chuck goes out to his car, gets in his car, and he just begins to melt begins to sob like a baby unable to drive unable to leave something within him began to erupt in all of those tears said, I don't know what it is to be a Christ follower I don't know what Tom is really talking about as far as God and serving him and, but I know that there needs to be a turnaround in my life and in that moment, he cries out in the best way that Chuck knew at that time. I think God appreciated that moment to know that it was genuine and that it wasn't manufactured. And he sees the brokenness and through that relationship with Tom, he connects him with a, a network of Christian brothers, brothers in the Lord, a small group where he began to meet with them. He walks into his first small group meeting and, and his opposition walks in and he's having to be vulnerable and being real and guys that he's tried to take down and he sits there with great humility and he watches his new brothers in Christ in this small group begin to demonstrate a love that he's never experienced, an agape love that looked beyond all of the wrinkles, all of the blemishes, all of the wrongdoings, and began to love him in a way that he's never experienced before. And in his journey, he's, he's writing, saying, I want to know this God more. I know that there's a turnaround that's happening in my life. I know that Watergate is out here that's going on. And although I have an out, I can take the plea deal. 
man, if this thing's going to be real for me, I need to stand right now and I need to take whatever's coming my way. And he ends up going to prison. And there he is in prison. Transitioned from the office next to the President of the United States to where now he's sitting in a cell and all he's known by is a number. A lonely place. He's in prison. And he begins to get reports of different ones that are being let out, that are gone that are getting early release that went into prison with him and thinking that he would experience that same thing, but it wasn't the case. And in that moment, let me read this to you. You want to talk about complete trust. Here's Chuck and what he prayed. Thank you, Lord. Praise you for leaving me in prison. Praise you for taking away my license to practice law. Yes, even for my son being arrested. Thank you for my friends and for God's love and for walking with your son, Jesus. At that moment, Chuck Colson, in his testimony, and others believe that that's when the turnaround was finally in cement. He knew that, hey, I'm going in the right direction. God, whatever comes my way, whatever the outcome is, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that's where we're at tonight. And we say, how do we, how do we get there? How do we allow our faith to continue to grow, to, to continue to rise and to surface and to say, I trust in God. I trust in him fully. I believe that what we can do between now, between tonight, Wednesday and Sunday, when we come back for an incredible message series, here's what I think that we should do and we can do it right now here in this room, is that we can begin to look back and we can begin to count our blessings. And through those moments and saying, God, I remember when, I remember how, I remember when payroll was, was not going to be met, but that check showed up and God, it's because of you. God, whenever I thought that my spouse was not coming back and that my marriage was over, God, you did a work in her life. God, you did a work in his life. God, whenever I thought all of my dreams of creating my own business, that they've been gone. God, I'm putting all my trust in you regardless of the outcome. We can begin by trusting God when we count our blessings. So what I'm going to ask that you do tonight as we get ready to wrap the message up is to simply close your eyes. Begin to meditate, begin to dwell and think about those blessings as we sing this song. I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name is great. And greatly to be praised. Do you believe it? Do you believe his name is great? I sing praises to your name. Oh Lord, praises to your name. Oh Lord, for your name, for your name is great. Greatly 
Imagine with me as we get ready to wrap up tonight. Imagine with me what our country would look like if the leaders of our nation would call a timeout and begin to cry out to God and say, There needs to be a turnaround that takes place. How many of you will be praying for that and praying that God begins to do a work with those that have influence and, and begin to see our nation turn back towards God? How, how many of you will be praying for that? How many of you will be praying for your church family members? Imagine with me what our church would look like if we walked in here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, on Sunday night, full of faith, full of trust, and knowing, man, I know it's a difficult time, but I know who my Savior and my Redeemer is. How, how impactful, how effective would our church body be? We're doing great things now, but if we just say, God, let my faith rise a little bit more. If that's you tonight, if your prayer is, man, I need I need to see a turnaround in my life, or I need to see a turnaround in my family. I need to see a turnaround in my business. Something that's going on that you need to see God begin to move. I say that it starts by simply coming forward. If that's you, our altar team's going to be here. As our worship team continues to sing, I want you to make your way. Maybe, maybe you're the person. You may be the Chuck Colson that says, I don't even know who God is. And my first step is to accept Jesus Christ as the CEO of my life, and I need to commit my life to him, that may be you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we can pray right now for that person that needs to be redeemed. That it's a prayer asking for forgiveness and asking for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as that. Just as Chuck, it wasn't flowery, it wasn't wordy. It just said, God, I need a turnaround to happen in my life. And then I'll figure it out as I go. And if that's you, that's all it takes is to say, God, come into my life, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creature in you. So if that's you tonight, if that's you tonight that says, I need a redeemer, I need to see a turnaround in my life, just a few more minutes, make your way to the altar. Our team is here. We're ready to pray with you and to encourage you tonight. Through it all, through, through it all, yeah. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God.
sing it tonight with our hands raised. Amen. Through it all. Yes, and through it all. And through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. And through it all. I've learned. Trusting God through it all, through it all, I learned to depend on His Word. How many of you believe that? Through it all, man, we've learned to trust in Jesus. We've learned to trust in God. So let's pray tonight. Father God, thank you for allowing us to come together. Lord, to just be blessed by incredible worship, to receive a word. I pray, Father, now that we'll, we'll leave this place changed, God. Lord, in our faith, let it grow. Lord, let our trust, Father, just be overflowing. I pray now special blessing of favor on the entire house, whether they're here or watching online. I pray, God, great favor upon them. Give us a great week and bring us back Sunday with great expectation to see lives changed once again. Be with us now as we go. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. We'll see you on Sunday morning. Yeah.